Hey, Happy New Year. Hey, it's 2022. I'm so glad it's not 2020 or 2021, but it's 2022. Now, I do feel like I need to do something because um, most of you know I'm a Clemson fan. And so I think that it would be um, wrong of me not to acknowledge, because uh, y'all had to listen to Clemson making the playoffs so many different times. <laughs> that came out sort of, not like a minute, but maybe it did. But so to all the Georgia fans, congratulations to making it this far. To our Alabama fan, <laughs> way to go. All right. Hey, listen, this is a uh, standalone sermon. Am I hot? Is my mic hot? It seems, yeah, it's a little hot. My mom said so. So, yeah. Uh, just see, I know they're, they're working on it. So we've had some technical difficulties today. I'll talk softer. Um, this is a standalone message. Next week we start a series called Radically Normal, how uh, the normal Christian life should be completely radical to the rest of the world. But today is a standalone message, and I get to preach really what is um, maybe on my heart or maybe something the Lord's showing me. And so I seriously feel like this message really is maybe the most important message I could preach as we're looking at a new year that's in front of us, okay? And so right now, I'm getting ready to put something on the screen that I think is going to inspire you. I think it can change your life. And so go ahead and put that first, uh, that first thing on the screen. You can go ahead. No, not that one. The, um, no, goldfish have greater attention spans than us. Now, I know you're thinking, what? How does that inspire me? Let me tell you that. Goldfish, a recent study I read, goldfish have a greater attention span than us. Now, you know, now, this has not always been the case. We have an attention span right now of eight seconds. That means we can go eight seconds without being distracted. What that really means is since I've started this message, some of you have already been distracted maybe two or, or three or, or four different times. Goldfish has proven, studies have proven that goldfish have attention spans of nine seconds. Now, this has not always been the case, though. Back in the year 2000, we had an attention span of 12 seconds. We could go 12 seconds without being distracted on, on average. That was back in 2000. Man, what has happened that we've lost four seconds? What was, what was introduced in 2007? Anybody know? The iPhone. The iPhone was introduced in, in 2007. So let me say this. This is not a get rid of our iPhone message. This is not an anti-technology message. Matter of fact, I wrote this entire message. on my. I'm sorry, I'm getting text. All right. And so literally, I just, just quit texting me. All right. So This is not a get rid of your iPhone message. This is not a get rid of technology. I wrote this whole message on, on my iPhone at home this past week. Matter of fact, I'm preaching from my iPad. Many of you are watching online from your phone, your iPad, or maybe a smart television. So this is not that message. And this, I'll be honest with you, I love being able to text. I don't like receiving them while I'm preaching, though. Um, but I love being able to text. I, I love uh, my, listen, I can pull up my phone right now. I've got my Bible app. I've got Blue Letter Bible. I've got my Kindle app. I've got all my banking apps. And my son just texted me and said, get off my phone. Um, you're not hanging out with friends tonight, buddy. <laughs> so, uh, and then I've got my, my Truist app, my banking app. I, I mean, I've got Waze Maps, Google Maps, Get Upside. I mean, I've, I could go on and on. I love what we have in this. And then, you know what? It can make life easier. 
But I think we need to be aware of what this can do to us. I want you to look at this pic. You've never seen this pic before. I want you to see this pic. I want you to look at that. So uh, Trenton, our uh, son, he's uh, six. He, he's, if you've ever seen a little cute little blonde-haired boy in a wheelchair, that's our son. He loves the Andy Griffith Show. And so we watch it a lot. And I'll never forget, we were watching one episode. And it wasn't this exact picture, but it was a picture of Barney and Andy sitting on the bench. It was at nighttime. They were just doing this, leaning back, you know, or, or looking around town and just commenting, just a very casual time. And as soon as I saw that picture, as soon as I saw that scene, I remember thinking, you don't see that much anymore. You don't see people just reflecting on life, reflecting on the community, just commenting on that. Because what's missing? Typically, if you see that, there's one of the, I'm sorry, one of these, one of these is in their hand. Or, or it's on the bench beside them. If you see people doing that, how many times have you walked into a restaurant and, and you see a couple there, whether it be friends or, or a married couple, and both people are on their phone. Now, I'm sorry if I'd stepped on toes. I'm, I'm stepping on my toes as well. We just don't see this happening as much anymore, that people are as present or mindful of other people around them as they used to be. So go back to the year 2000 or go back in, in the 90s or the 80s or back when this was filmed in the, in the 60s. Now, you may be skeptical to what I'm saying, Nicholas Carr, in his Pulitzer Prize-nominated book called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, he wrote this. What the Internet seems to be doing is chipping away my capacity for concentration and contemplation. Now, before I read this, I was having lunch, not with some Pulitzer Prize uh, authors, but with Trey Bailey and Brad Rutledge and Scott England. We were sitting at a table one day, and we are talking about technology. We were even talking about, get this, going back and getting a flip phone. Somebody said, whoa. <laughs> because the topic of discussion was this, we feel like we're so easily distracted now that we've lost this ability to concentrate and maybe reflect and even meditate as you see people in the Scripture doing. We're so easily distracted. The car would go on to explain it this way. The reason being, whether we are online or not, our minds now process information the way the net distributes it. Fast. Short bites. Short pieces. In a swiftly moving stream of particles. He, he goes on to say, he goes, Once I was a scuba diver in a sea of words, and now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. And now, we have the internet with us all the time. You can think of a question, and you don't have to wait. I mean, you can Google it and, and know the answer if it's out there immediately. A recent study says that we pick up our iPhones or our Androids, for those of you that are not saved, we pick up our phone 2,600 times a day. I've already done it how many times in this message? 2,600 times a day. How is that possible? One document said this, because everything about the phone and apps are being designed for distraction and addiction because that's where the money is. Every time we just pass an ad, that's, that's money. Every time we download a new app, that's money. And they're designed for distraction 
and addiction. So the result is goldfish have greater attention spans than we do. Now you may be thinking, I came to church on this first Sunday of the year. What does this have to do with me and Jesus? I'm going to read something very slowly. It's going to be on the screen. If we are not intentional, our digital culture culture will drown out the voice of God by keeping us distracted from God and therefore starving our souls and creating a sense of hurried, anxiety-ridden emptiness. If we're not careful, this digital culture is going to drown out the voice of God. How many times have you gone to pick up your phone, maybe to read your Bible, or maybe to to answer a text, maybe to reply to somebody, and you pick it up, and you've got four texts and 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 a notification from app and Facebook and Instagram and all that, and then you forget why you even picked up the phone. And Raise your hand if that ever happens to you. How many times are you maybe reading your Bible during your quiet time, on your phone? And listen, this is not an anti-phone message. And as you're doing that, you're getting texts and you're getting notifications. and The brain is distracted and God's voice is ground out. And what it does to our soul, it leaves us empty or hurried or anxiety-ridden. And what happens is, when we allow, if we're not intentional, it keeps us from really loving God and loving people. And the result is that it's going to produce these starved souls that will either produce or neglect other starved souls. So again, how, how does Jesus fit into all this? I want us to go back to the beginning. I want us to go back to Genesis. I want to, right after Adam and Eve sin. I feel like sometimes Adam and Eve, they get a bad rap. You know, like Adam, man, if it wasn't for Adam and Eve, man, we, we would have it right. You know what? They made it to the third chapter. If you and I, if God, if it said, you know what, and God breathed life into Scott, it would immediately say, and Scott blew it. All right? So I, we wouldn't have done any, any better, all right? But what we get in after the fall, after, the, after they committed the sin and they're hiding from God, we get this glimpse of what the relationship was like in the garden prior to the sin. I want you to, I'm going to read this, Genesis 3, 8, and 9. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now picture this, it's, it's in the evening. It's in the cool of the evening. God walking in the garden, looking for Adam, and he almost like he always does. Enjoying how they used to enjoy these casual times of just being together. And what happened? Sin blew it. Now they're shame and they're hiding from God. And you really don't see this kind of casual, casualness and this intimacy in, in, in the Old Testament. Maybe Moses, but typically when you see God speak to people, God comes down or they go up to God or, or, or the prophet is speaking. But you don't see this kind of casual walking together type relationship until you see Jesus. And then what we see is Jesus with this regular practice of meeting with God. Mark 1, 35-36, you get this picture. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, 
Jesus grabbed his phone. God, you know what? I, I say that not to you, but so many times I wake up and the first thing I grab is the phone. Barely in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. Jesus, he'd been teaching and, and performing miracles, and, and now he's gotten up, and it's barely early in the morning, and while it's still dark, Jesus got up and he left his house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus had to spend time with the Father. Jesus, like Jesus, uh, the, the, the Son of God, full, fully man, fully God, had to spend time in prayer alone with the Father. Man, if Jesus needs to do that, how, how much more man, do I and you, how much more do we need to do that? With, with no distractions, just in a solitary place, or maybe your, your Bible says in a, in a lonely place, meaning he was alone, no distractions, and prayed. We know that Jesus has been teaching. We know he's performing miracles, doing what he was created to do. And he goes off alone to pray. Billy Graham said that if he'd have changed anything about his ministry, he'd have preached less and prayed more. If Jesus needs to do that, how much more man, do we need this intentional time in prayer with the Father? Let's go to Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It said, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He came to save the lost. You talk about, you know, it was, well, you know, it was a different time period and, and they didn't live in the busy. Jesus' role was to save the world. I mean, you and I got some, you know, big job descriptions. And being a dad and mom's no easy task. But what was his goal? Why was he sent? To seek and save the lost. To save the world. And what did he do? He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew to places. Even if he had to leave the house, Prayer was that important. And sometimes he would pray throughout the night. Sometimes prayer was more important than physical sleep. And he was Jesus. You and I have God-given roles. You and I have God-given roles. Jesus had a God-given role. You and I have God-given roles. You know what the will of God is for you? Listen, a lot of times it's wrapped up. Part of it is wrapped up in the titles that you wear. Father, son, mother, daughter, wife, husband, whatever it may be, grandparents. Some of God's will is wrapped up in your title. Not to mention when you look at the gifts that he's given you and he's called you Christian and you belong to a church body and a church family. And Jesus knew his role. And he spent time with the Father for his strength. Listen, he could not love people. This sounds crazy, but listen, whenever you see it in Scripture, when he spent this time with the Father, man, it seems like incredible love and teaching and miracles happened. He was prepared to be with others because he has spent time with the Father. 
Man, if you and I want to impact our families and impact our communities and and impact our world, listen, the only place we're going to get that kind of strength and that kind of wisdom and that kind of love is by being with the Father. Doing like Jesus did and spending time with Him. We will not be prepared for 2022 and all the opportunities that we're going to have to love and serve and, and witness to other people if we don't spend time alone regularly with the Father. Jesus made a deliberate choice to spend intentional time with the Father alone, no distractions. And what you do when you read through the Gospels, you watch Jesus. I mean, he's got people t- uh, tugging on his, on, his, on his robe, wanting on his attention. He's going to heal one person. Someone else is like, hey, will you heal me? And he, and he heals them. But he never seems hurried. You never read Jesus was anxious. You, you could see where he was heavy hearted and he, he was burdened for the, the brokenness of, of the communities. But he never seemed rushed. And he was always right on time when he ministered and loved. Never hurried. And what does Jesus ask of us? Same thing he asked the original followers. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Now, a lot of times when we hear that word, follow me, we hear that phrase, follow me. Well, what does it really mean? Does it mean I believe? Well, yes and no. It's, it's, yeah, it's good you believe in Jesus, but it's more than that. Well, I go to church. Well, that, that's good. You believe in Jesus and you go to church, but it's more than that. I, I believe in Jesus. I go to church and I read the Bible. Good. It, man, that's, that's, that's great, but it, it's more than that. I believe in him, and I go to church, I read the Bible, and I do what he says. Man, that is awesome, that is good, but it's more than that. It's living the way he lived. You watch him in the Gospels, and you you pick up on his rhythms of life. It's more than, it is great to be obedient, but it's also following the way he lived, imitating his actions. The disciples, they were more like, a, they were like apprentices. And whatever Jesus did, they adopted that pattern into their life. It comes down to spending time with the Father the way Jesus spent time with the Father for, for the wisdom that we need. For, for the love and the compassion and the kindness that we need as we look at 2022. So it comes down to spending this intentional time with the Father. And you know what? That, that means if we're doing that, we're going to find that we're going to be present to God throughout the day. We're, we're going to be looking for Him and looking for His leading, looking for opportunities to, to serve. And we're going to be present to, to other people. We would... I'm not going to say never distracted, but we're going to be a lot less distracted. Again, if you go into public right now, if you go to Kroger or Ingalls, wherever you may shop, and, and you see people in line, and if they're by themselves, and even if they got kids with them, bless their heart, that's a nightmare to take kids to the grocery store. But if you do, a lot of times what do you see? They're sitting in line and they're just not aware of the people around them. Or, gosh, one time, one of my sons took a picture of uh, us in our living room, and I was on the iPad, 
Another uh, son was on his phone, and another son was on his phone, and my son took the picture, and he posted it on socials, and he went, family time. I kicked him out of the house. <laughs> you don't do that to a preacher, you know. Man, that, that was like maybe 10 years ago. But I can see it, and it cuts me deep. How about at home? How many times are we looking down rather than looking in each other's eyes? I'm in a better man group, and uh, there's a group of uh, eight or nine of us, and we meet every Tuesday, and, and it's just about, it's about walking with Jesus, you know, and uh, as a group of guys. But one of the lessons was on marriage. And so this was not in the assignment, uh, and so it was me, all right? I said, hey, how about we go home and ask our wives how we're doing as husbands? Now, two things just happened. Every wife in here said, I, I want my husband in that group. You know, and every man I go, man, I'm never joining that group. But we all went home, and we couldn't re- rebuttal. We couldn't, you couldn't, but honey, you couldn't do any of that. How am I doing as a husband? Different answers came back, and most of the guys got a fairly good report. But across the board, this was the answer. You're on your phone too much. I mean them, not me, them. Nah, that's a lie. You should never lie, especially when you're preaching. Devices. Man, they can distract us from loving God and spending time and having intimate time with God. And it can distract us from loving people. Another study found that just being in the same room as your phone even if it's turned off, will reduce someone's working memory and problem-solving skills. But listen, a summary of the report put it this way. If you grow dependent, it becomes a magical device that silently shouts your name at your brain at all times. It's almost like, hey, pick me up. You might have a text. Pick me up. You might have a notification. Pick pick me up. There's a news alert. Pick, 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 Pick me up. You know, money just left your account. Pick, 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 pick me up. Somebody may have liked something you posted. Pick pick me up. Just silently, magically calling our names. It reminded me of this verse in 2 Peter. And he's talking about false teachers, but the second half of the verse, he says about the false teachers, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. And then he says, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. And so I ask myself this, and I'm asking you this because I'm your pastor and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We may not own our phones as much as they own us. Well, let's change gears a little bit. I want you to think about the application of of two verses that if you've grown up in church, you you know these verses, you know them so well. First verse is this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As we go through the day, driving, working, eating, family time, we could be doing these things. Hey, God, this has been a great experience. I, I, I praise you, God, for this. Or, God, you have shown your kindness to me. God, I praise you for that. Or, God, I, I've seen a situation, and, and God, I, I just want to pray for them right now as I'm going down the road. Or, or maybe it's in the office, or maybe it's at home. Or maybe, God, I just want to thank you for this and this. Man, we could be doing this. 
Think about the praises not given. Because we're looking down instead of up. Think about the prayers not prayed because of the distraction of our devices. And think about the thanks not giving because we're just distracted. The week before Christmas, um, we actually went to Hilton Head the week before Christmas and uh, spent some time down there as a family and um, I intentionally left my phone in the van. Uh, We went shopping and I intentionally left my phone. I, want, I thought, I want to be fully present for my family. I want to be fully present to those around me. Now, understand what it looks like when I take my family shopping. Kate, Nathan was there, and he had a teenage buddy, and, and they took off. You know, they were shopping and all that. But we took uh, Trenton, now if you're new here, and if you're watching online, Trenton is a, he's the cutest blonde-headed little boy in a wheelchair you will ever see. He's six, year, six seven years old, and he's in that wheelchair. And he's, now, you roll into a store with a little boy in a wheelchair, and guess what people do? <laughs> they think I can't see them looking. It's the funniest thing, you know. Then we take Cage in there. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of you know Cage. So if you don't know Cage, let me tell you, he's autistic. He's 10 years old. He's autistic. And um, he busts out into song, Oh Holy Night, at any given moment throughout the year. We listen to Oh Holy Night all the time. And so he'll, he'll do that. He, he calls out um, the anatomically correct names of body parts at random at random. And then as he loves to walk by people and touch them as a lot of times as they're bending over. And so creates a lot of awkward moments. And so we're in this little store that would fit in this section, okay? And we're in this little store. And so I'm checking out. I've got Trent. And there's a guy standing. Like, let's say that's me. He's standing there just. I'm noticing. I'm thinking, why is he on his phone? You know, I mean, quit. Why, why is he looking at me? You know, and then I'm like, I know why he's looking at me. And I, I, again, well, after the third contact, eye contact, I went, Hey, how you doing? He said, I'm doing great. And we ended up having one of the most enjoyable conversations. Tracy even commented, said, What were y'all talking about? I said, I really don't know. But it was awesome. And I found myself grateful. And thanking God for it. Last week we were in Atlanta for a doctor's appointment. And we stopped at Chick-fil-A. And I said, you know, I'm going to leave my phone in the, in the van. Or the car, whatever. We're in. And Tracy takes Cage to the bathroom. And I'm sitting there. And Trenton's not with us. And I'm, I'm sitting there like a freak looking at people. <laughs> you know. And, and the, the, the host, hostess walks over to me. And she's gotten a. She's gotten a taste of Cage and real intuitive with him. She said, how did, how did that happen? And I get to tell her about Jesus. You know? And how he led us. Because she's like, y'all just adopted him? I said, no, we were praying about it. And this is what the Lord did. And Jesus has shown us this. And... But if I'd have had my phone, I would not have been present to this opportunity to talk about the leading of Jesus in our life. Let's look at this third, this last verse. Philippians 4.8. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If anything is noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It almost just gives you an impression of just People just standing and contemplating and reflecting and meditating. Think about such things. How often do we do this and how often have we missed the opportunity to, to, to look at God's creation and just go, wow, God, amazing. Or, or, or to read or see about his kindness and just think about it displayed to us in Christ. And this result, the result of this kind of thinking is a peaceful, joy-filled, a calm soul. But this takes uninterrupted moments. Not just an intentional time, but it just takes uninterrupted moments. Not necessarily scheduled, but not just filled up. Now, before you throw your phones away, your phones away, and before you join a monastery or a convent or change churches, um, there's there's a, a simple solution that's an ancient solution. Okay, people have been complaining about technology since the sundial. There were poet poets at the time that complained about the sundial. As soon as the sundial was created, people had to be somewhere, you know. So this is not that message. This, the solution is an ancient solution: solitude and silence. It's regularly regularly practicing what the church world calls the quiet time. Now, we'll talk a lot about reading our Bibles here at Eastridge. But I think the most important thing I could share with you for 2022, man, we need to spend time with the Father. Quiet, alone, and no distractions. Create regular time to to spend with God. Now, I'm just going to give you a quick few points, because what I don't want it to be is legalistic, okay? It's just, typically, I said, and I say typically because there's things called kids, but typically at the same time, and alone. And I would even say alone without the phone. I've, gone, I've gotten away from, I think version is great, don't get me wrong, but for my quiet time now, I read a paper Bible, because you know what? The battery never dies. And I don't get any notifications when I'm reading it. And then it's quiet. And if you're not doing this here, I want to just give you a couple. Read, read a chapter of Psalms. And you know what? Start with the Gospel of Mark. Because what you're going to see regularly throughout Mark, Jesus getting alone with the Father. Pray the Lord's Prayer as a model. If you're not familiar with it, Google the Lord's Prayer. But remember, this is a valued relationship. It's not a regimen. It's a valued relationship, not a legalistic regimen. So create regular time to spend with God, but also create margin to be with God. 
And here's what I'm going to say. Just put the phones down more or, or pick them up less. I owe some of y'all texts from yesterday and the day before because I'm putting my phones down. And what you'll do is you allow yourself time to rejoice. All of a sudden, the work of God, the fingerprints of God, the handiwork of God, you're going to notice it. All of a sudden, you're going to notice things that make you happy. You know what? You're also going to notice things that make you sad. And you're going to be aware of thoughts in your head. And, you know what? and then you can pray about those things. But create margin to be present to God. And all of a sudden, you'll rejoice and you'll be praying more. And you'll be giving thanks in all circumstances. Which is God's will for us. In Christ Jesus. Time to think about whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, you'll have time now to, to think about those type of things. So how would you describe the condition of your soul? Is it empty? Is it hurried? Is it starved? Is it at rest? Man... <laughs> how awesome <laughs> and listen there is grace here for whoever song that was listen there is grace here but man how your soul could be at rest it could be full of peace and it could be content hey like Adam and Eve you and I are created to have what I'm going to call an intimate relationship with God where you can be fully transparent and He can love you fully. We were created for that. You're thinking, no, I don't belong there. I'm telling you, Christ proves that. And if you trusted in Christ, man, uh, like um, I think Amanda said during communion, we have a right relationship with God, not based on what we did, based on what Jesus has done. You were created to spend time with the Father. You were created to love Him and therefore being able to, to love others. You can be prepared to love people no matter who it is, right where they are. In tune with God. Rejoicing, praying continually, giving thanks. And our souls will be full. And our souls will be at rest. No matter what the day holds for us. I've asked Scott, um, he's going to sing a song that he wrote called Sanctuary. And so uh, I've asked God to just introduce that song, so if you would. So this, um, the idea of what we're about to do is, the song's called Sanctuary. And to really create a moment where we can just be with the Lord. Um, and it's everything that the sermon's been talking about already this morning. In Psalm 73, the Psalmist is envying the prosperity of the wicked. He's like, God, I've given my whole life to you and I follow you to the T and here are all these wicked people that they're not even considering you at all and, and they're so prosperous. They have everything that the world has to offer. To the world, they seem like they have it all. And he said, when I thought about this, it troubled me deeply. He's whining to the Lord and he says, until... I entered the sanctuary where I understood. And it's so easy just to kind of glaze over that sentence. 
Because that word sanctuary actually means a holy place that is set aside to meet with the Lord. Just as Jesus did with the Father, he set aside a holy place to meet with the Lord. And he understood. And that word means that the Lord gave him everything that he needs to know, both intellectually, spiritually, emotionally. He ministered to him in that moment as he entered that holy place with the Lord. And so when I wrote this one, the line says, where my soul is raging, where my heart's not breaking, where I lay my burdens down, where my life is changed, where you're molding me, it's where your beauty's found, in the sanctuary. And so I would just encourage you today, even just, maybe you don't sing the words. If you want to, sure, but just be with the Lord. Let this, this, these next three minutes and, I don't know, 20-something seconds be a moment of sanctuary for you to cast your cares on Jesus, to go to the Father. He's here today. Where my heart's not breaking 
I want you to have a, um, I, know, I want you to have, I know the Lord wants you to have, I want you to have the best 2022. And I don't mean where you, you know, money's great and all that. Where you know that you're loved by your Father. And the only way we're going to know that is by spending time with Him. And so I challenge you, I double dog dare you. Man, create that time to spend time alone with the Father and then just create margin in your day just by setting devices down more so that you can hear from Him or rejoice in Him or pray or whatever. Hey, listen, look forward to to next week. We start a new series called Radically Normal. Hey, we go back to two services next week. And all the 930 people said? Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. Hey, love y'all. See y'all next week.